Kobe Bryant and seven others die in a helicopter crash outside Calabasas. Uh, his daughter, Gianna, uh, 13 years old, was on that uh, flight. Statement from Michael Jordan on the passing of Kobe Bryant. I am in shock over the tragic news of Kobe's and Gianna's passing. Words can't describe the pain I'm feeling. I loved Kobe. He was like a little brother to me. We used to talk often, and I will miss those conversations very much. He was a fierce competitor, one of the greats of the game, and a creative force. Kobe was also an amazing dad who loved his family deeply, took great pride in his daughter's love for the game of basketball. Yvette joins me in sending my deepest condolences to Vanessa, the Lakers organization, and basketball fans around the world. Uh, Steve Mason, along with Andy and Brian Kamenitsky. Uh We will uh, take some of your phone calls, start to take some of your phone calls this hour. Um, 877-710-ESPN is the basketball world and the city of Los Angeles react to this shocking and, frankly, I was just surreal. It just doesn't seem possible. It's... Any time, you know, a, a life that is cut short in this way. I mean, it's he wasn't sick. There was no right. illness. There, there was no warning. warning of any. And and you know, you know, people would always talk about the Kobe chopper, and he choppers here, and he choppers there. And, yeah. You know, so it's like you know, you know, the guy has a helicopter and he yep. flies around that way. But it's like it was part of the mystique. It was in a lot it of ways. It really was. So, you know that that Kobe would take the chopper to Staples Center. You knew that he would land it on one of these buildings nearby. Yes. And and obviously there's there's like a mythological element to that. Like, you know, of course, Kobe would travel by helicopter to these games, but it was also about not wasting time. Right. Yeah. So he could get to the arena as quickly as possible, begin working on his body, begin working on his pregame. You know, it was all part of this really intricate process that created five championships and one of the greatest basketball careers ever. It's just there's this element of of loss that takes that makes it so difficult to take in because it, you know he's not somebody that we would have seen on the court tomorrow right but he was this presence and there was this uh, comforts the right word or whatever but like an excitement a satisfaction for the city and understanding and you know really the larger universe but i'm really thinking about los angeles LA. yeah of having this guy who wasn't from here but was of here and was our guy for the next 20 years 30 years like there's our guy going to win another oscar there's yeah. our guy just i was in you know amazon the amazon bookstore at, at century city mall the other day and i see his his books his that are book, out there yeah all these things like ah, that's our guy doing other like ah you think we're just about sports no we do all this if that's our there, guy. There, there were new things with kobe that if you were a fan of kobe you could take pride in like you know there were there were brand new achievements that didn't just end the moment that he retired you didn't Correct. have to keep live you know Going in the past and taking trips down memory lane, you would look at the Oscar for Dear Basketball. You would look at the books that he's writing, the screenplays, uh, the podcast that he had for kids. You know, yeah. all these different things that Kobe had channeled that energy and just the desire to be great at something and the things that he cared about. And if you were a, a Kobe fan, you could continue living. I don't even want to say vicariously because that almost cheapens it. But, you know, but it was a point of pride. If yes, you lived in Los Angeles, exactly. Kobe was a point of because pride. Who, because who else does that? Right. Like, I mean, who else does that? And Look, a point I mean, of inspiration. I mean, listen yes. to what we talked about with O'Shea. Like, there are people who can take 
what Kobe stood for and how he did his work and you know the the work ethic. I mean, Eric Pincus is a you know a colleague of ours. You know, worked around basketball forever. His daughters are huge basketball fans. He used to talk to Kobe a lot about you know their development. Like these are little girls who loved basketball and internalized not just how good he was, but like if you want to be good at something. This is how you do it. You work and you work and you work and you work. And there's no detail that's too small. And including what John talked about, it's not just about people in basketball. It's finding people outside of basketball to teach you something that you can apply to what you yes. do. Yeah, Brian and I used to joke all the time because this would get described as Kobe cold calling. And we we're like, yeah, no, Kobe's no. not cold calling. Like when, when he calls Oprah Winfrey, for example, yes. he knows Oprah's going to take that call. Like if I call Oprah, that's cold calling. Sure. But the difference between Kobe and everybody else is he made the call. Not everybody else will actually do that, even if they're Almost in the position of yeah. getting the call taken. Or they would just go into another industry and assume that because they're famous or that because people want to be around you, they can get you projects. You can just made. be at the top of that other Right, mountain. exactly. And there's a difference between using the the fame and achievements you've had leveraging that into your post-career transition and a lot of people can do that but kobe wanted to be at the forefront of the creativity he wanted to create that those things yes and that required outside counsel and he sought out the absolute best dear basketball had john williams involved yes it had art keen the illustrator involved like that's who kobe went to for his foray into short animation because he wanted it to be the best. Yeah. Uh, let's go to uh, Brian. Um, let's see. Go to Brian in the Valley. Brian, you're on uh, 710 ESPN. Hey. Hey, Brian. Tough morning. Um, you know, Kobe meant the world to me. I'm 35 right now. I just turned 35 a couple weeks ago. I've been watching Kobe Bryant since I was 11 years old. I will never forget when Kobe Bryant, when Dale Harris put Kobe Bryant into the game against the Utah Jazz, I think it was 97, and he was he shot those air balls. And I'm like, who is this guy? Who is this guy? And it's just amazing how looking back from that moment to what he is and what he became, it's just, it, it, it's, it's just so monumental to what that man meant to me, to my life. The mama mentality, the vino, and everything. I mean, I, I could go on and on, but I won't. Thank you guys for taking my call. Okay, Kobe, thank you. Kobe man. forever, mamba forever. Thank you. All right. Um, yeah, mamba mentality, I think John said. You can, no matter what profession you're in, you can apply the mamba. If you're a student, you can apply the mamba mentality to your studies, or if you are a uh, whatever profession. Uh, it, the Mamba mentality means something. It means there's a toughness, there's a determination, there's a preparation, there is a tenacity uh, to succeed. Uh, and Kobe certainly did that on the floor and was beginning to do that uh, in future ventures. Uh, it's it's sad. I mean, we think about that Vino hashtag that he used. Yeah. You know, the idea of getting better with age. And now we're 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 never we're gonna, gonna know. Find, yeah, and you listen to KSP in Los Angeles. There's the the thing that's remarkable about this and, and is that Kobe, you know, he yeah, he's doing the the basketball you know, the, the, the short and the books and the screenplays, but 
but he's not just slapping his name on stuff. Like, and he, this is somebody who's deeply, intensely involved in the storytelling and uh, the creation of things, and 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 passionate about it. And the influence that Kobe brought to other athletes around what you do when you're done with sports is remarkable. Like, you know, LeBron James is LeBron James in part because of the influence of Kobe Bryant, not just for his, what he is on the, on the court, but all the other stuff that LeBron does mm-hmm. and, and the business and the, the, these young athletes who look at themselves, not just as sort of marketing brands who can, you know, put my name on this and make a buck here and put my name, but go out and do something and create something and create a life for yourself when you're done with this part of your, with, uh, of your, of your career so much of this goes back to the way that Kobe approached this. I mean, yes. it's not just basketball in terms of his influence on his peers. It's this stuff, too. Yeah, and you could see those wheels turning over the last few years of his career because, unfortunately for Kobe, because of the Achilles, he spent a lot of time on the trainer's table. And he had a difficult time you know, playing games on a regular basis. He, he got through it the last year sort of just slapdash. But the, but the truth is, by Kobe's standards, he wasn't able to do it the way he wanted to. But by his own admission, he used that time productively and he was thinking about, okay, what comes next? I know where the finish line is. What am I going to be doing afterwards that's going to make me feel fulfilled? And he had talked for a long time about an interest in storytelling. And Brian and I, the the one project that we ever did in depth with Kobe um, was a photo, basically like a photo essay um, where different Lakers on the team from in 2010 looked back at photos of them from the 2009 championship run. And they talked about, oh, what this picture reminds me of, what was happening there. And Kobe was terrific with us when we went through that. He gave us about 20 minutes. He went through all these different photos himself, and then he went through sort of classic Laker photos. But I think one of the things that attracted Kobe to this, beyond the fact that Andy Bernstein took all the photos oh, and Andy sure. Bernstein and Kobe were extremely close. And in Kobe's mind, if I do this, I'm in part doing a favor for Andy. So I'm all in is I think Kobe just enjoyed the storytelling of it. And he enjoyed telling the stories about what was really happening. Good at it. Yes. He was phenomenal. Uh, just a great. And, and that's why I remember hearing all these different, you know, either fans or, or pundits or maybe even people around the league saying that Kobe, when he retired, oh, he's going to get back into the game. You know, right. He's not going to be able to stand being away from yeah, see, basketball. I never, I never not believed that. Not for a second. Yeah. I'm like, you guys are not paying attention. Because beyond the fact that Kobe's not going to want to play as a shell of himself, because that's not why he plays in the first place, you can see that he has other interests. And you can see the groundwork that he's laying in this. And he's going to find... He's going to find a way to channel that competitiveness and that drive to be excellent in something else because he knows he cares but about we it. But we didn't believe it because other athletes haven't been able to pull that off. Right. And, you know, Michael Jordan, for as brilliant as Michael Jordan's career was, and as for as closely as Kobe patterned his game after Michael and the attitude and, and all of these things, the closest thing to Michael that anybody's ever seen. Michael went into basketball. Michael went into basketball. Michael f- struggled to find a niche that was – you know, successful away from the game or detach or whatever it might be because he, for all of his brilliance on the court, isn't nearly uh, the the type of intellectually curious right. person as Kobe. And so we have this history of guys who say, ah, you'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And aren't fine. And because of that, 
if you weren't somebody who paid close attention to what Kobe was telling you, because he never lied, he never lied to you. Yeah, he always told you what he, what was going to happen. And if you just listened to him and believed him, none of this would have surprised you. Uh, here's Stephen A. Smith with his thoughts on the uh, tragic death of Kobe Bryant. It's not just about being a reporter. It's about being an author. It's not just about being a basketball player. It's about being a champion. It's not just about being an artist. It's about being an Academy Award winner. These are all things that he had visions of, and it was consistent with who he was from the time that you knew him. Because coming into the NBA, one of the things that had turned him others off about him initially, he came into the league talking about how he was going to be as great, if not greater, than Michael Jordan one day. And people used to look at him and say, this dude is off of his rocker. His chest is sticking out just a little bit too much. He needs perspective. And then sure enough, when you watched him work and you saw the commitment that he put in, you realized he wasn't playing. He was dead serious. He would win championships. He would take a week or two off and then show back up a week or two later and start working in the summertime at 530 in the morning. This is what he did religiously. When other people were taking vacations, he was studying. When other people were taking breaks, he was working out. That was his entire mentality about anything and everything. And if you were going to be around him and you talked about aspiring to do something, one of the biggest things he would question you about was the work that you were putting in. He would probe. He would interrogate because he wanted to make sure that you were doing what you said that you wanted to do that's the thing is kobe bryant was never outworked he worked harder than everybody else in fact that was one of the reasons why uh this shack kobe thing happened it was an issue of work ethic and uh, an approach that was different between shack and and kobe well it's also too i mean and this was by kobe's own admission like the way he went about doing all this in some ways isn't healthy and you have to make certain sacrifices in your personal right. life as a as a human being. That's and forget not easy. For, you know, it's not for everybody. It's not in certain ways healthy. I mean, there was an obsession with the way Kobe did. You know, approached basketball and approached his career on the court. And you know, obsession by definition isn't always healthy. But he wouldn't accept anything else. I mean, th- this is he's. It's fitting. That his career after basketball was essentially as a creative artist because he approached basketball as an artist, you know, like almost like a mad artist. He went into this and there was a, there was something that he needed to solve through basketball. There was something that he could discover and share and communicate through that game, you know, with himself, with fans, whatever. There was something to master and I think he approached it like an artist. There's a, and the self-awareness, though, to be able to talk about those things. And he talked about it during his career. Like, you got to be a little pathological. It's not healthy. You know, it's the sacrifices you make. You know, it can't be a good friend to people. You know, I can, I, I can be your friend, but I can't, I, I can't be your good friend. Like, the, yeah. like the, the kind of guy that you can call at, you know, or the, the, the kind of guy that, that's going to call you on your birthday and remember and all these other things. And like, that's not the kind of friend I am. Right. But, that self-awareness allows you when you're done to say, well, you know, again, to go back to this thing, like, well, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't need to be around basketball. I'm, I'm going to throw all, I, I am aware of what I gave up when I played. I'm pouring all of that back into my children. Yes. I'm pouring all of that back into their activities. I have all this other stuff. I am Kobe Bryant. I have the freedom to be at the office when I want to be at the office, build this when I want to build this. And when I am not building those things, I'm taking my daughter to her games. Yep. I'm doing this other stuff. You know, we're having another baby. This is what I'm going to do because I know what I gave up. 
And you know the the the, the approach here and what I find just amazing and fascinating about him is less the basketball player than the the the, the way that he went from basketball to the other stuff and. It's, it's, it's this is promoted. something Brian and I have actually talked about a lot because we we covered the entirety of Kobe's uh, the second half of his career, uh, mm-hmm. 2006 to 2016, and you know we were we were there for a lot of it, whether for the LA Times or ESPN.com, the, the station here, and beyond the greatness of Kobe's career, it's how interesting it was, yeah. and how interesting he was. Like he he was a genuinely fascinating guy. In a way that other great athletes, as, as much as they might take your breath away in terms of what they accomplish, they're not as interesting. Right. Like, Kobe was a really interesting well, guy. I remember back to uh, the Black Swan, White Swan thing um, with uh, Pau Gasol. He was using that before oh. the movie Black Swan even came out. He had already seen that movie. Brian and I did an, and I, I wish I could remember which director it was, but we did an interview with a documentary director years ago that Kobe actually reached out to because he saw the documentary. I, I might have been the director of uh, Hero Dreams of Sushi, the the documentary about this, yeah, this the, guy. Yeah, yeah he's, he's considered the greatest sushi maker in Japan. Yes, and Kobe, both in terms of the filmmaking and also the idea of a guy being obsessively driven to be the greatest at sushi in the world. He wanted, right? to, he wanted to know what made that guy tick. Right. So yeah. he reached out to this director. And, and again, we talked earlier about the cold calling. This director gets a phone call. Yeah, Hello? It's Kobe Bryant. He's like, what? But Kobe wanted to know how he made this film, how he found out the best parts of this guy, what was it like being around somebody that driven and it, it it blew that director's mind as much as you know Kobe's mind was blown watching this movie. Uh, Bill Russell has uh, tweeted, uh, Janine and I are absolutely shocked to hear of the loss of one of my favorite people and one of the best basketball minds in the history of the game. Our hearts and prayers to Vanessa and his girls. Uh, you were my biggest fan, but I was yours. Hashtag RIP Mamba. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio has tweeted. Do you have that? Greg, do you have the... Let's see if I can find it. He he was a big Laker fan, big Laker basketball fan. fan. And not somebody, by the way, who tweets that often. No, I was going to say, not a not big on Twitter. What do you have, Greg? Kobe, Leonardo DiCaprio says, Kobe was truly larger than life, a legend. May he and all those who lost their lives today rest in peace. Love and condolences to his family. L.A. will never be the same. And you know there is, is you know as the as the sheriff's uh, press conference pointed out. Now it's it, we, initially we thought it was five people on board. It turns out it was nine. Yeah, Kobe, and his so daughter, and seven other seven people, other people that, including the pilot, that are not uh, identified uh, as of now. You just you think about you know we know it's it's been confirmed that you know Kobe and and his oldest daughter were, were two of the people, and then you start to think about just. How many? You know, we're talking about Kobe, and rightly so, and understandably so. Yes. And then you think about Kobe's family, and then you think about you know apparently I guess it's been reported you know by ESPN that they were on their way to an a, AAU a, game. you know a tournament game and all these and so they're teammates of these of these kids that were there and parents and the 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 web of of, of connectivity the connectivity of just the crash of nine people yeah and what that nine people and. 
you know, and then you get to the citywide and the global impact. I, I was going to say in, in, in the tweet that Leonardo DiCaprio sent out that L.A. will never be the same. It, it really is, in a lot of ways, a Los Angeles story. Yeah, because Kobe was so connected to this city, and you know, and, and this is a. This is a city, and I know the three of us have talked about this a lot, that is underrated as a sports town. Agreed. It doesn't get enough credit for the passion that fans have because they don't express it in the same, I think, aggressive ways that often happens on the East Coast. And I'm not saying one's better than the other, one's worse than the other. I'm just saying they're different. But the passion and the knowledge that Laker fans have impresses me on a regular basis. And a lot of that was filtered through that passion and admiration for Kobe. Yeah, I mean, Lakers fans are very smart. They're they're, smart about the game. They're smart about the history of the game. They're smart about knowing where Kobe Bryant uh, and the Lakers fit into the history of the game. And the city. And they, they take pride in the Lakers being a part of Los Angeles, and they take a pride in Kobe being a part of Los Angeles. That's from Fred Katz at at the, the Athletic, I believe. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Trey Young just took off his warm-ups and he's wearing number eight. Hmm. Um, and he, Trey Young, and we we tweeted this out earlier. He had he had put out something today noting that uh, Gianna had been to three games this year, three three NBA games. Two of them were to watch Trey Young. And you know, Co- her dad is Kobe Bryant. She wanted to go watch Trey Young. Like that was sort of she's a, a kid picking her favorite player. And like you know, Trey Young's been in the league a couple years understands what that means and so you know he he tweeted out a tribute earlier today to gianna and is uh now wearing number eight for his game tonight with the hawks uh just a while ago james worthy uh talked about kobe bryant's passing you you think about how often they say how safe helicopters are and and the fact that think about it kobe took a helicopter to games for what 10 plus years yeah you know, for something like this to happen, you know, when it's not being used as much and to go into to see his daughter. I mean, it was it was it's so eerie that he was on his way to Mamba Academy and my son Christian and my middle son Cameron, we were just at Mamba Academy two weeks ago watching him coach That's Robert Ory, um, his daughter uh, along and with watching James him Worthy. coach Mamba and watching a Kobe Brown that I never thought would be calm coaching the team because if you watch me coach my son's AAU team I'm all over the place I'm screaming and yelling but he was so calm and then as I I didn't even know I was going to the bathroom and I literally bump into him I was like hey dude what's up man so we talking and then my son Cameron tells him how much he loves body armor and he said oh I'm gonna come over and check out Chris to see how he's playing he said oh yeah Chris gonna be a little good player I said yeah I said he plays defense like you (laughs) and so you know we have that moment and not knowing that this would be the last, the last time, time you saw him. I see this guy. It'd be the last time I talk to this guy. It'd make me wish I'd have took a picture with him. Made me wish I'd have had that moment to so I could have it last for as long as I'm on this earth. And I, I, I'm one of these people that hate social media. But today is one of the days I love social media because you get to see all these wonderful pictures of Kobe, all these special moments he had with his kids, fans, and all these other interactions. And it's a wonderful thing that people are recognizing the greatness and what he represented as a human being. When Big Game James called me this morning to, to say to me, I hope this isn't true, and I hadn't heard yet. Um, and then when it was confirmed, and James is going to be joining us here in, in a few minutes, it, it, was, it was interesting that I, I just broke down right away in front of my oldest daughter, Millie, who was home with, with my wife. And then all of a sudden, 
you know, you see the text from our boss, get in here right now. You have to kind of like put it together, get in the shower, get your suit on, get your outfit on, and and you have to come in and you have to be here on days like today. And, and, And my thought was just, you know, we're all Laker fans. We're Kobe fans. We can grieve uh, with everyone that watches us mm-hmm. um, because we are, are all one family. And, and, and today is just one of those tough days, uh, and, and it's going to go on for a while. Anyone that's ever lost someone close to them, whether it be a friend or a family member, you, you can relate to this, Allie. The first thing I thought when I was getting ready was, oh, man, what about the rest of the time we had, like him going to games, us showing him with his daughter, the statue, uh, his speeches, yes. interviewing him again. The last time we interviewed him, I sat, I sat down with him for half an hour for Connected With in 2017. Those are the things that I think make me want to get emotional when I start to think about what was, what was ahead for us. Makes you sick. Yeah. Life is, life is so short. Life is so fragile. Um, and this is just another reminder, an awful, awful reminder. Yeah. yeah, it's tough. Uh, it makes you really tell. You have to enjoy the moments you have with your loved ones and appreciate it because tomorrow is not promised. And I know for me, losing a daughter and now someone losing a father, you, you, you never want did not tell that loved one you love them. You know, I tell everybody who's watching, make sure that you tell your loved ones you love them. Make sure you hug them. And not just because of today what happened with COVID, just yeah. in life in general because tomorrow's not promised. And so you're, you need to make sure that you let that person know that you love them. Yeah, they always have that famous quote, what mm-hmm. would you do for today if tomorrow wasn't promised to you? Yeah. Uh, you just don't know. You know, there was, uh, there was a moment of silence uh, in the Rockets Nuggets game that we're going to show you in a moment. But just the NBA world, and you know, Allie and I were, were talking about this when it first went down, and we were in the makeup room. And here, here, here's the moment, Allie. But you know, we were talking about for Kobe's generation. You know, a lot of it was was MJ was was, was the king, right? Guys coming up, they, they wanted to be like Mike. You know, for a lot of the guys playing today, it, it was Kobe. It was for the next generation. It's going to be LeBron because these guys were young, coming up in high school, in middle school, in college, and Kobe was the man. Just like Rob said. Every single player, when you look at social media today, it was, tell me this is a joke. It was Paul George yes. saying, quit playing. Yes. This is a hoax. Yeah. Um, that was but the worst joke ever. You have a lot of, of, a lot of guys that are stepping out between those lines today with, yeah. with heavy hearts. 100%. We're going to show that Rockets <laughs> moment in a, in a minute because joining us is uh, big game James Worthy. Uh, James, usually I love when the phone rings and your name <laughs> pops up today. It was just was just different. And I, I heard it in your voice uh, when, when you said to me that Diane had walked in and said, they're being reported on TMZ that, that Kobe's helicopters crash, and we didn't want to believe it. Um, yeah. and, and I still don't want to believe it. Big game. Yeah. It's, uh, it's something that you, uh, you just don't want to hear, and you can't believe it when you hear it. Um, just I- I- extremely devastating. You know, you, you know, my mother used to always say, you, you can't put a question mark behind God's period. You know, uh, something has happened uh, to a great person, uh, a, a father who had given us everything. That was his gift to us. And our gift to him at 41 years old was to allow him to live a life with his kids and, and be free from all the, the, the microscopic things that, that he had been under his entire career. He was a great man. Kobe was a good dude. Uh, very young when he came in. I remember he was a rookie, and I was a rookie in the television industry. Mm-hmm. It was my first year. And I remember getting an interview with him, and all I heard was, yes, sir, no, sir, 
And I told him, I said, stop, I'm not that much older than you. He said, yes, sir, no, sir. And then his game suffered. Uh, at the beginning, he struggled a little bit. But, uh, you know, this is... Uh, and, and, and the other people that were, that were on, the, on the helicopter as well. Yeah. And it's going to affect a lot of people. A lot of people. But Kobe is, uh, you know, you just don't know what to say. We, we're, we're, we're at a loss for words. But this is a time um, that, as a Laker nation, that the only thing we can do as a Laker nation and Laker fans is lean on each other. There are no words for this. And his beautiful daughter that we had seen so many clips. You just don't want to, to hear a story like this. So the only thing we can do is yeah. remember. Uh, it's not going to pinch us till months from now. But, uh, I, you know, his, his, uh, his last year, I got a call from Gary Vitti at 10 o'clock at night saying, Kobe wants you to come meet him at the gym at 930. I said, for what? Nothing I can teach him. He, he wanted to know about footwork. So his, his drive... That was for, late in his career. For life. It was, just, yeah. it was just late in his career. Yeah. He just wanted to... I'd already seen him score 80 points and just demonstrate all the footwork that I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Even some that I didn't know. Yeah. And he wanted me to meet him at the gym so he could ask me how to enhance some of the things he was doing. So his, his, his drive for life, speaking multiple languages, what he was going to do uh, going forward is just... Uh, this is going to be a tough lump in the throat. Yeah. He's a, he's a good man. That's uh, James Worthy, Chris McGee, Allie Clifton, and Robert Ory. Some thoughts on the uh, tragic passing of uh, of Kobe Bryant today, along with his 13-year-old daughter and seven others who died in a helicopter crash uh, outside of Calabasas. Uh, more of this uh, continuing coverage coming up next. Steve Mason, Andy Kamenetsky, Brian Kamenetsky, uh, we will all be in here. Uh, in the next few days for you. Uh, ESPN LA, 710 ESPN.